Kobe Bryant. Welcome to episode three of the Counted Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Ahan, at Ahan Rungta on Twitter. And today, I have with me Isaiah. Isaiah, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely, yeah. So I am a uh, writer over at Fantasy Pros. I do some editing for them as well. Uh, I'm a big uh, fantasy football fan. Uh, I've been a Ravens fan for a long time. Uh, and I'm really excited to be here, Han. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Isaiah. Uh, and for those of you who find out that Isaiah went to Emory, no, I don't secretly go there, even though two of my three guests are from Emory. Anyway, so today we're going to talk about the fantasy impact of the offseason moves that have been made so far, uh, trades, free agency. And when we talk about free agency, there's one that I obviously got to start with, and that is Tom Brady to the Bucks. So let's start by talking about Right, the impact that this has on the books, um, on the offense of the books, uh, and if and if you'd like your predictions for how the season will turn out for the books. For sure, man. So the books made a couple big picture changes on their offense. They added Brady, obviously, and then they added a, an offensive lineman in Joe Haig, uh, which I think are pretty solid moves to shore up uh, their offensive scheme. Uh, and those two guys are going to be entering an offense that should look pretty similar to last year. Uh, we've got Bruce Arians returning along with his uh, assistant, Byron Leftwich. We've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard sticking around. The Bucks did lose Brashad Perriman, but he really didn't serve anything more than a backup role toward the end of the season. He wasn't really involved in the offense uh, much before uh, Mike Evans went down. Uh, and they'll have Scotty Miller back as well. Uh, they should continue to feature uh, what we call a pass-funnel defense. Uh, which means that uh, because they can run block well, they got Sue re-signed. They have Shaquille Barrett on a franchise tag, uh, which should mean that uh, other teams are going to have to pass the ball aggressively against them if they want to get anything done on offense. Um, so fantasy-wise, uh, there are a couple consequences to the Brady signing. Uh, one, I think that it's going to be a weird contradiction in Bruce Arians' scheme. Every time a quarterback has experienced their first year in Arians' scheme, They've tended to throw a bunch of interceptions. If you look at Carson Palmer, if you look at uh, Andrew Luck, uh, and if you look at Jameis Winston, they all struggled with interceptions in their first year with Arians. Uh, so that's a little bit awkward given that Brady is getting up there. I think he's 42 now. He isn't coming off a great season, uh, and he showed some depleted arm strength as the year went on. So what I think we can anticipate, first of all, in Tampa Bay next year, fantasy-wise, is we're going to see a lot more in the short passing game. I don't know if you agree with me on that one, Ahan. Uh, I know that you're a New England fan, so uh, what's your take on what Brady's going to look like next season? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think Arians will want to show off uh, all parts of his offensive playbook, so I think he'll definitely go for the, some of those long passes. But like you said, I am worried that with Tom Brady's depleted arm, uh, that might not be executed to perfection as well. Um, they don't have a sort of James White, Sony Michelle in the backfield, so I'm worried mm -hmm. about how those checkdowns will end up processing throughout the year. So I would be interested to see how the fantasy impact of those running backs affects, uh, I guess, your strategy, uh, but also yeah. just Tom Brady specifically. I think his fantasy value will still be up there, but I will also be just interested to see how the checkdown game affects that total fantasy value. And that you can only see once you see like one or two games. Um, but for now, 
it is a drop in town from James White and Sony Michelle to the Tampa Bay backfield. So I think mm-hmm. that is going to hurt Tom Brady. So I'm not buying the Tom Brady possibly a QB3 this year. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think Brady's going to be a great fantasy option. He might be a good football option, but I don't think he'll be great in fantasy. But I feel like that's that tends to be the case with how Brady is. Uh, speaking of their uh, specific offensive weapons, I think that O.J. Howard is in this really weird, interesting spot because on one hand, he's primed to take those short passes from Brady. Brady tends to work well with tight ends. We've seen what he did with Rob Gronkowski. However, Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians have – usually not feature their tight ends very effectively. If you look at their time together in Arizona, there really wasn't anyone doing anything over there. And that might have been a lack of players, but I think it also had something to do with what the coaches had in mind. Because if you look at last year, O.J. Howard really didn't produce. And I think that we can blame part of that on the player, but a lot of that has to rely on the scheme as well. Because O.J. Howard just wasn't getting the opportunities to get open, to get the passes that uh, Jameis Winston wanted to throw to him in that scheme. So it'll be interesting. I think Howard has a lot of upside going into next season just because we don't know what the Bucks are going to look like, but he really has no floor at this point. I think that the tight end position is really the other thing to talk about when we're talking about checkdowns. So that's what I have to say about Howard. I do want to say that Ronald Jones is getting slept on, uh, I think, next year. He is a pre- he proved himself to some extent last season. I mean, Arians didn't ever really want to feature him. But he did look adequate in the passing game. He could catch dump offs and could make plays with them. So maybe we'll have to see what he looks like next year. Yeah, I completely agree. And the thing with OJ Howard is a lot of people just say it was a lack of opportunity. Uh, All the workload uh, pass catching wise going to Evans and Godwin because there was talent there and James liked those two. But at the same time, OJ Howard just wasn't making plays that should have been made. Mm -hmm. So he didn't really pass the eye test for me last year. So I'm worried that people, again, just take O.J. Howard thinking, oh, that's an upgrade in quarterback, so O.J. Howard will finally meet up to his fantasy value. So depending on where you are in the draft, maybe you take a risk on him late, but I just don't see him reaching the value that people thought he would have last year. Yeah, I think if I'm taking him somewhere in the last couple of rounds, like a Darren Waller type guy last year, he's a really strong flyer tight end, but I don't think I would feel comfortable taking him as my only guy. I think that I would probably need to take at least two late round flyers or I take a guy early uh, like your Ertz, your Kittle, your Kelsey. Uh, and then if he's there and like with my last pick, I might take a flyer on him just to see what happens uh, maybe as a trade ship. Uh, so yeah, that's pretty much my take on Tampa. I'm excited to see what they look like next year, but I really am not completely sold on them as a fantasy option yet. And my last question about Tampa Bay, in your opinion, who is a better fantasy option at their draft value? Mike Evans or Chris Godwin? That's a good one. I think that if you look at who Brady has succeeded with in the past, I think Chris Godwin fits more of the type of receiver that Brady tends to succeed or or tends to throw too often. Uh, That said, it tends to be the case that offenses that produce two top 10 fantasy receivers one year don't see them break back into the top 10 in the next season. So I'm not confident that both Evans and Godwin are going to be viable options. I really don't know how to evaluate them. I would probably say Godwin's the better value at this point just because of the kinds of players that Brady tends to throw to. But we'll really have to see how things play out. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I would have to go on Evans on that one just because I think people are going to just – or people are not going to take Evans right away for that very reason. So I think he might fall in some drafts. So mm-hmm. it might be worth the pick given where you find him in the draft. That's uh, so I'd have to go with Evans just based on, uh, based on that. But we'll see. Uh, And the next team I want to talk about is uh, Carolina. A bunch of changes there. 
uh, Matt Rule, the new head coach, Teddy Bridgewater, no Cam Newton, and Greg Olson is gone. Uh, so let's speak to sort of the pass-catching corps, uh, the offense in general. Uh, yeah. Christian McCaffrey is really the only thing that is pretty sure, um, unless he gets hurt, and he hasn't yeah. shown that he's going to get hurt. Yeah. So my take on Carolina, I really like Matt Rule, but it's going to be interesting to see what he does. So Rule, uh, back at Baylor, tended to emphasize the running game, uh, and it was pretty effective. I think that's what he did back at Temple, was it, as well? Uh, and so he's looked good in the past by emphasizing the run. So there's no real reason to expect that he'll do much different in Carolina. And, I mean, you couldn't really found a better fit uh, team-wise for him to go to, given the fact that the Panthers have Christian McCaffrey, who is probably the league's best fantasy running back going into next season. So I think that things are looking up uh, on the ground for Carolina. But Teddy Bridgewater, uh, I, I like him as a quarterback. I like him as a player, and I like him as a person. But we'll have to see how he impacts their receiving core, right? Because Bridgewater tends to throw shorter passes. We've seen his average yards per, uh, per attempt from last year. In New Orleans, it was one of the lowest in the league, uh, despite the fact that he was working with pretty strong receiving options. So Bridgewater tends to play things safe uh, in Carolina's offense. So we'll have to see what that means for DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel, who are some of the league leaders in air yards last season. Uh, so sure, the argument against Curtis Samuel is he wasn't really efficient with those air yards. But regardless, both of those receivers were dependent on getting open for longer length passes than Bridgewater is probably willing to throw. So I think that, that puts a damper on Moore and Samuel's value. And I think they added Robbie Anderson too, right, in Carolina? Right. Yeah, and Robbie Anderson's another guy who's very dependent on getting those long passes, those deep balls, down deep down the field. So I'm not exactly sure what that's going to mean for all three of their fantasy values. I think that there's quite a bit going on. I think Curtis Samuel's probably hurt the most with the Anderson signing. Uh, just given the fact that both Anderson and Samuel seem to be pretty much exclusively deep threat receivers, while DJ Moore has a little bit more value as a possession type guy. I think the guy who benefits the most from the Bridgewater signing has to be Ian Thomas uh, and whoever ends up backing up Christian McCaffrey, because I think that they will both get a good chunk of dump off passes from Bridgewater. They'll be involved in the passing game uh, in ways that Moore, Samuel and Emerson just can't be in that little scheme. Yeah, I completely agree. And just given uh, the amount of targets DJ Moore had last year uh, on third down, I think you can expect somewhat of a similar value um, as last year. Um, Curtis Samuel, I agree. He might even go just not to rel. He might just not be relevant because Christian yeah. McCaffrey is crazy to think that he can honestly be a better fantasy option than last year, if that's possible. But I think it is possible, as you said. Ian Thomas might be another one of those guys like OJ Howard. You can take a you can take a chance on him late. Uh, the talent is not necessarily obvious, but certainly a viable fantasy option. Mm -hmm. I um, think one, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think one thing that was worth talking about with Samuel is that uh, maybe Rule can get him involved in the running game some. Because there's not really a clear lead guy behind McCaffrey right now, and I'm sure that the Panthers will look at someone in the draft. But if they can find a way to get Samuel involved in the running game, then maybe he can recoup some of the lost fantasy value. But that's really the only scenario I see Samuel – uh, returning anything of substance next year in fantasy. Fair enough. Uh, and speaking of rushing, uh, last year, DJ Moore, six rushes, uh, Curtis Samuel, 19. So good thing to keep an eye on. Um, and finally, perhaps the, uh, or not perhaps, definitely the um, biggest headliner amongst trades, uh, Arizona and Houston, David Johnson, DeAndre Hopkins, the two big names moving in that trade, what do you see as the biggest changes fantasy-wise to Arizona 
uh, specifically to Kyler Murray, and how does DeAndre Hopkins, how does his fantasy value change moving from Houston to Arizona? Yeah, so I'll start with Kyler Murray. I think everyone's going to be drafting Kyler Murray as a QB1 going into next year. I don't think that's a controversial take at this point. I think everyone has to know that in Cliff Kingsbury's air raid scheme, Murray just looks fantastic, especially with Hopkins around. So I don't think it's going to be controversial to say that you should pick a sophomore quarterback to finish as your top QB going into next season when that's exactly what Pat Mahomes did. That's exactly what Lamar Jackson did. So I think it's a sure thing to say Kyler Murray is going to go in the top five QBs next year. Uh, Speaking for DeAndre Hopkins, though, I think he benefits a bunch from this trade. Uh, It's pretty clear that Bill O'Brien didn't really value Hopkins that well uh, back in Houston. If you look at how the targets were getting distributed there, I didn't, I never really understood what Houston was doing some weekends. I'll be honest. I was a Hopkins owner last year. He was kind of okay. Uh, I felt that uh, the Houston offense emphasized their tight ends, Jordan Akins and uh, Darren Fells a little bit much given just their limitations as players like Darren Fells is never going to be a pro bowl tight end. He's a blocker who can sometimes catch uh, a couple dump off passes. He's just not going to be a consistent guy, and yet they've re-signed him. So I, I really don't know what Houston was doing last year. I think that Hopkins is going to fit in uh, to Arizona's offense more effectively. I think that Cliff Kingsbury is going to respect his talents a little bit more than maybe Bill O'Brien did. I think it's going to lead to him getting engaged more often in the offense. Uh, so I'm really excited to see the kind of uh, DeAndre Hopkins can return. We saw him prove that he can be a wide receiver one, uh, what was it, back in 2018? Uh, so we know that he can do this. It's just going to be a question of him living up to the, uh, to the hype that Cliff Kingsbury has uh, really created for him. Yeah, I completely agree with the, uh, the take on Cliff Kingsbury and the fact that DeAndre Hopkins could benefit more. My only concern with DeAndre Hopkins' fantasy value is Kyler Murray. Um, like, Kyler Murray is going to be a top-five quarterback. I'm saying that right now. Yeah. I'm setting that in stone. He's one of those guys that even if he's not doing well for your football team, will get you fantasy value off the running game. Uh, not too many interceptions, uh, not Jameis-like interceptions, definitely. Right, right, right. So Kyler Murray will give you the value. Um, I'm concerned about Kyler Murray getting hurt. Uh, he had some injury concerns last year. The size is obviously not there, so I'm concerned about that, as well as his vision and how he is able to utilize DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Kyler Murray was awful to watch from a football standpoint last year in some games against reasonable defenses. He was like Trubisky, except with talent. He would stare down his primary receiver and then do something bad with it. Um, so yeah. it is concerning from an eye test standpoint. So I'm not sure if Kyler Murray is going to be able to uh, give DeAndre Hopkins that wide receiver one value at that point. So as my wide receiver one this year, I'm taking Devontae because I don't yeah. trust the the uh, the floor for DeAndre Hopkins. Well, I mean, first of all, I don't think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the overall wide receiver one. I think that that's Michael Thomas, period, full stop. Uh, I think that... What you're saying with Kyler Murray makes sense. I would say that sometimes quarterbacks can make great leaps in their sophomore seasons. I think that Lamar Jackson definitely proved that uh, this year. He did not really pass the eye test going or out of 2018, but in 2019, I think he looked much more confident as a passer. I think he progressed pretty well. And it's not like he had great receiving options to throw to, right? He has like Marquise Brown uh, and a bunch of tight ends. So like, I think that Kyler Murray can make some progress. The other thing I would say with DeAndre Hopkins is that if you look at all the top receivers, not too many guys have proven that they can work without a good quarterback. DeAndre Hopkins has. If you look at who he's worked with in the past in Houston, before they had Deshaun Watson, he was working with some bums, really. And he was still able to put up viable fantasy production. So I think that while you're right to say that Kyler Murray might not be the greatest quarterback for him to work with, I don't think Hopkins is really super quarterback dependent. 
So we'll see how it plays out. Fair enough. And uh, the other part of the, or the, the other primary part of the uh, Arizona offense, Kenyon Drake proved last year after he got out of Miami that he is capable of putting up elite numbers going on hot streaks. What is the value for the Arizona backfield, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds? Oh boy. This is a good question. I think that Drake is going to disappoint some fantasy owners next year. I think that he put up unsustainable numbers last season. He was super touchdown dependent for most of his fantasy points. He looked great. I don't want to, but I want to emphasize the fact that Kenyon Drake looks amazing, right? But I just don't think he can recoup the same fantasy value that he had last year. It's the same thing with Aaron Jones. At some point you just score so many touchdowns that you're bound for regression. And even though you looked great on the field, you're going to disappoint people who are coming in expecting the same numbers that you, they put up in the season prior. So I think that Drake is still a very good option at like RB2. He's probably a high-end guy there. But I just don't think that he's going to be the RB1 that some people might be expecting him to be. I just don't think it's sustainable what he can uh, produce from last year. What I will say real quick, though, is I think Chase Edmonds uh, re-enters the fantasy conversation here. I think that if you look at, back at what Arizona was doing last year, even though they're probably going to be passing the ball a bit more going into next year now that they have DeAndre Hopkins, both David Johnson and Chase Edmonds were fantasy viable options for a couple of weeks together. So why aren't people expressing the same interest in Chase Edmonds now, right? I mean, I think he's a Tony Pollard type. I think that he can get really heavily involved in the offense alongside a featured star back like Drake. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to taking Edmonds in probably the last two rounds of my drafts uh, and getting some decent RB3 value out of him. Cool. And uh, last question about Arizona, uh, Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald, uh, yeah. the other two wide receivers on that Arizona corpse. Uh, Christian Kirk last year, a more viable option than Larry Fitzgerald by a milestone, mm. uh, beating his AD, uh, ADP value. Larry Fitzgerald, one of the biggest disappointments. Where do you see them this year now that they have Hopkins? That's a really good question. I really don't know what's going to happen uh, with Kirk and Fitzgerald. I think that Fitzgerald got off to a hot start last year, uh, if you remember how the season played out. I think Kirk was a little bit banged up to start the year. And then when Kirk came back, he looked electric. So I think that people are going to continue. I, I really, really like Larry Fitz, especially in PPR formats, just because he has proven time and time again that he can get a bunch of receptions. After seasons where we thought that he's done, we've seen him produce pretty substantial numbers. So I, I really don't want to say just disregard Larry Fitzgerald, but I also would say you shouldn't sink too early of a pick into him. I think that he's an intriguing option who has a lot of week-to-week -week floor if things play out the way that they could for him. But I really just don't know what to say with him. I think Kirk is probably the better option of the two, for sure, given how well he played last year. I think that he probably pencils in as a Will Fuller type next to DeAndre Hopkins going into next season. We've seen Hopkins be fantasy viable and Fuller be fantasy viable with each other in the offense. So I don't see why Kirk and Hopkins wouldn't be uh, viable at the same time. Yeah, I completely agree. And the takeaway from that is I just think if you're going into the season with Christian Kirk and, or Larry Fitzgerald as your wide receiver one or two, you shouldn't be comfortable. So maybe stay away. But as a flex option, certainly something you can explore. Yeah, that's a good take. And uh, one of the final teams that we want to talk about extensively is Cleveland. So they fire their head coach, Freddie Kitchens. Mm. Uh, they get a new head coach. They get a new number one tight end. The constant, though, Baker Mayfield, that running back corpse, and their top two wide receivers. So mm. how does this affect, number one, the fantasy value of Baker Mayfield, and number two, the fantasy value of that backfield? 
Yeah. So I think the biggest change in Cleveland this offseason has to be the uh, Kevin Stefanski hire. I think that if we look at what Stefanski did back in Minnesota last season, the first thing you're going to say is, oh, he emphasized the run. If you look at Dalvin Cook, he exploded. If you look at Alexander Madison, he put up fantasy viable numbers as an RB2. So the first conclusion that you might want to immediately draw from Stefanski is, oh, he can emphasize the run. When I dug back into Stefanski's record, however, he's never really had a head coaching job experience before, even in a college uh, situation. So it's really hard to evaluate what Stefanski's going to do. He's worked with running backs. He's worked with quarterbacks. He's worked with tight ends. He's really worked all around the offense in Minnesota. So I looked at what the numbers looked like from Stefanski for the total number of passing attempts uh, in the past. And in 2017, with Case Keenum, he featured 32 attempts per game. With uh, Kirk Cousins in 2018, there were 37 attempts per game. But after uh, Minnesota decided to emphasize the run, and that was really more of a directive from uh, Zimmer than it was a decision from Stefanski, uh, Kirk Cousins only attempted 29 point, or, yeah, 29.6 attempts per game uh, back in last season. So I do think that it's a little bit uh, premature to say that Stefanski is going to for sure reemphasize the run in Cleveland. I think that the correct takeaway is it is going to have a more balanced and logical approach than Kitchens, which was more – Kitchens was pretty impulsive as a coach. I think that Stefanski is going to be a little bit more uh, reasonable than he is. The question for Cleveland is really just going to be how much volume is there to go around for all of these superstar players. Like we have Hooper and Njoku. I don't think we can have two viable tight ends on any one team. So I think that it's really going to be only one of those two who are going to have any fantasy relevance at all next season. Uh, I think that both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can have some fantasy viability, but how many rushing attempts are they going to need uh, on a per game basis, right? Uh, it depends on what the pacing is uh, and how well uh, Cleveland can maintain a lead. I think that given the talent, and the fact that Stefanski seems like he's a Compton guy, Cleveland can probably win most of their games next season. But it's just going to have to be a question of – it's really just a question of if they can live up to how well we know they can play. So they have the talent. We know that these guys can succeed. We've seen Jarvis Landry. We've seen Odell Beckham. We've seen Nick Chubb. And we've seen Kareem Hunt all finish in the top, like, 10 at their positions in the past before. It's really just a question of if all the pieces can come together. So I'm buying – most of the members of the Cleveland offense around their ADPs. There's still a risk with that, but I think that it's offset given the fact that Stefanski's around to keep things more balanced. Yeah, I agree with most of that. And I think most of this will honestly just depend on how Baker Mayfield performs. We haven't yeah. seen Baker Mayfield perform with the new, uh, or yeah, we haven't seen Baker Mayfield on the field perform with the new coaching staff. We don't know if he's going to pick it up this year. He looked awful a good chunk of last season and we know Austin Hooper is talented. We, we learned that last year. Mm -hmm. uh, the popular phrase Austin Hooper is indeed Austin Hooper. <laughs> Talent is there. Uh, and the same for David Njoku when he's healthy, but I'm probably staying away from both Austin Hooper and David Njoku given their ADPs just because I have no idea what Baker is going to look like. Yeah. The one thing I will say though, I know Kareem Hunt is there to annoy the, uh, the uh, carry share, but Nick, Nick Chubb, I'm taking, I'm definitely taking first round and I may take a risk on him by even reaching on him first round because he has that kind of talent. Hmm. The reason that run game was so heavy with Kevin Stefanski is because Dalvin cook was healthy. And I know hmm. Dalvin cook is Dalvin cook and he might, might be possibly set to be the best running back in the NFL at some point. He has that kind of talent and we don't know if Nick Chubb is that kind of a talent yet, but he is very talented. 
And he was better than his ADP last year. Got taken 11th or 12th around that area most rounds last year. Uh, okay. Joe Mixon was also taken 11 or 12 last year, but that's yeah. another story. Uh, Nick Chubb finished as the RB8, and unlike your Chris Carson's of the world, not turnover prone. He had three fumbles all year long, and two of them came in the same game against New England on a rainy day. So I really like Nick Chubb, and I, I take him as, in the first round, the most pleasant surprise of the draft. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think that just given how I tend to, I tend to emphasize receivers more often than other people do in the first round. So I think that though uh, that strategy might bump him, uh, depending on my league size, from the first round for me. But I can entirely understand why he would be in the first round for you. He definitely looks like he has the talent. Now that the Browns have Jack Conklin, they might have a better offensive line next year. Things are looking up in Cleveland. It's just a question of whether they can live up to the hype because they haven't done that in the past. Uh, Brown's certainly going to be an interesting team to watch. Might be frustrating some people early in the season. And I, want, I just want to take a step back and talk about some general, uh, some general fantasy questions, your most obvious questions. So we're going to do a quick lightning round, and you're going to give me your answers and right. if I want to, we'll break, we'll, we'll break some of them down. My first question is, everybody knows who's going number one overall in fantasy football in 2020. His name starts with C. <laughs> Who are you taking at the number two spot, number three spot, four, and five? All right, hot take. I'm taking Michael Thomas number two. I think, well, at least in PPR leagues. I think that he offers the most floor out of anyone remaining in the draft at this point because – he just has the target share on a per-game basis that's going to make him an incredible wide receiver one for your team. He's going to give you such consistent value on a week-to-week basis. I think that it's CMC, then it's Michael Thomas, and then it's everyone else at this point. Uh, my everyone else looks like Saquon, Zeke, and Cook. I think that Saquon has proven himself more than enough on the field uh, to deserve the third overall spot. I think that it's just going to be a question of making sure that the Giants' offensive line can produce for him. I think that having a full offseason to gel uh, with their new quarterback, uh, things are going to be a lot smoother next year uh, for the Giants. Uh, and we all know that Saquon can break off those massive monster runs. He did in college. He's done it in the NFL so far. He just has that upside. I think Zeke has to come next, uh, just given the fact that the Cowboys, we know who they are. We know their offensive identity. We've seen Zeke perform well in the past. Their offensive line – with uh, Travis Frederick retiring, there are a little bit more question marks than we've seen in the past with them. But I think that we're still going to be able to trust Zeke to finish as an RB1 next year. And then I'm putting Dalvin Cook third uh, or fifth in this list, uh, but third out of that tier of running backs, because I think that he has proven that he can finish as an RB1. He did it last year. We still haven't seen him without Stefanski around. We're going to have to see what Minnesota is doing next year. I think the fact that they lost Stephon Diggs means that they might have to reemphasize the running game more. Uh, we'll see if he can stay healthy. I, I actually agree with most of the list. I agree with Michael Thomas. Uh, I, I did give Devontae some love earlier. I'm, I didn't forget about Michael Thomas, uh, but I, I, I do think Devontae has a chance to finish as the number one wide receiver this year. I, I, I'm saying it right now. He's going to finish as the number one wide receiver this year. So you can't argue too much with Michael Thomas at two, but I just personally wouldn't do it. What I'm surprised by is Saquon at three. Uh, I agree with it. Uh, I'm surprised that you said that, though. Uh, in a PPR format, Zeke might give you a little more upside in the pass-catching game. Uh, he looked better in the pass-catching game than Saquon last year. But I'm going to channel my inner Chris Collinsworth here. Sa with Saquon, this is a guy that came back from a high ankle sprain 
in four weeks. He's an athletic freak. Mm. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the injuries. Uh, they're going to take better care of him this year. It is the Giants, but I still wouldn't be too worried about it because Saquon every night has the opportunity to put up 40 points regardless of who he's facing. Yeah, yes, he does. He just needs one or two runs to go his way, and it's lights out. You won. So. All right, next question. One unexpected breakout star. Last year, some possible names could have been some of the rookies, like DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin, or your Cortland Sutton. In 2020, who is your one expected breakout star at any position? All right, this is a hot take. Uh, put me in on Deontay Johnson. I think he looked really good given the quarterback situation in Pittsburgh last season after Ben went down. They really had they, they had Mason Rudolph and Devlin Hodges. Neither of them looked like they could belong in the NFL. Like those people are pretty much gone at this point. And yet Deontay Johnson still had a pretty decent rookie season. Uh, he was in the con- conversation week to week on like uh, wide receiver three, wide receiver four basis. He put up some touchdowns. He had some big games. It looks like he's the kind of guy who Big Ben can successfully throw to deep, uh, and as well like I just think he's going to be uh, a lot better now that Big Ben is coming back. Uh, to Pittsburgh next season. I mean, there's some questions about whether Big Ben uh, is going to retire or not, but regardless, if we look at what Pittsburgh has done in the past, they are a pass-heavy team. They couldn't be one last year because Juju was hurt, because Big Ben was hurt. I think that they'll return to their offensive identity next season, and I think that can only help Deontay Johnson. And since you brought up Pittsburgh, the Jameis to Pittsburgh rumors, I might as well ask, where is Jameis Winston landing according to Isaiah? Oh, boy. Uh, that's a good question. I think that Pittsburgh would be a good landing spot for him, but I really don't know if they they want to spend the money on him. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see him end up in Jacksonville. I think the betting odds, at least a couple weeks ago, had him as a favorite to land in uh, Miami. Uh, personally, I think there's a good chance that he stays in Florida, either Jacksonville or, or, or at Miami. But if he doesn't, then he probably leaves Florida, goes to somewhere like Pittsburgh or New Orleans, sits behind a veteran quarterback for a year, and – gets a chance at the starting job the year after. All right. And speaking of breakouts, the biggest fantasy bust of players who have changed teams so far uh, in the, this offseason. And since I know what you're going to answer about this, <laughs> I'll get in my word first because you're about to name one of my favorite players. <laughs> uh, biggest fantasy bust of players who have changed this year so far, I, I, I'll i just say it, David Johnson. Mm. People. I, I know it's cheating to say that David Johnson is going to be a bust given what he's, what he did last year. We all know the talent. So I still think it's slightly warm of a take. Um, it's Bill O'Brien. Yeah. It's David Johnson. Bill O'Brien has talent. What does he do with it? He disappoints. It's pretty simple. Um, so I'm going David Johnson just because I think his ADP will be somewhere in the middle rounds or even early um, now that he's healthy. And he's just not going to live up to the ADP because it's Bill O'Brien. So I'll say David Johnson. What do you think about a uh, round four ADP for David Johnson? Do you think that's worth it? Yeah, I'm not taking that. Uh, I think there are better risks you can take than David Johnson. Uh, I I just don't trust Bill O'Brien at this point. He made DeAndre Hopkins look bad. I'm not trusting David Johnson, especially with the injury history. Did make Carlos Hyde look pretty good, though, last season. So I guess we'll have to see how it plays out. But The the Duke-Carlos Hyde split was definitely a frustrating one though i as somebody who owned both at one point i didn't know which one to play and i always played the wrong one so yeah no that was for sure tough i think if you look run the numbers on it i think they played roughly 50 50 in the snap counts by the end of the season which is kind of absurd um but my biggest fantasy bust for next season has to be robbie anderson 
I think that he actually had a pretty good shot to perform on the Jets. They didn't have a talented receiving core. They had Jamison Crowder and Robbie, uh, and that was pretty much it. But now Robbie's going to have to beat out both DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel for targets while he's working with a quarterback who doesn't really throw the deep ball that often. I mean, I don't really know what people were expecting from Robbie Anderson going into next season. I think that some people thought like, oh, maybe if he can land on the right team, he could break out. I just don't think he ended up on the right team. I don't think he's going to be a great receiver next year. I doubt that he'll be fantasy relevant most weeks. Best case scenario, he's a like late round flyer. He's a boomer bust guy. He gets you like 12 points one week and then two the next. Yeah, certainly. I, 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 it hurts me to say it, but I'll agree with that. Uh, the problem with, for me is just T- Teddy Bridgewater not having the history of throwing the long pass, and that's Robbie Anderson's game. Uh, right. He couldn't break out last year because, mostly because of Sam Darnold, but when he, wasn't, when he was targeted and wasn't making those catches, they were deep passes. It was 50-yard passes, and Sam Darnold would either throw them 30 feet or 90 feet. Uh, yep. So the, the Robbie Anderson floor is um, a little disgusting, but I would take a risk on him at a flex spot just because against a bad defense, he could give you a 92-yard touchdown. Mm, that's fair. Uh, the next question, the most improved fantasy player from last season to this year? Oof. Uh, part of me wants to say Kenyon Drake, just because he doesn't have to compete with anyone uh, anymore, and he's got a full offseason to prepare in the Arizona offense, and he doesn't have to work with Adam Gase uh, anymore. Part of me really wants to say that, but the other part of me really wants to say DeAndre Hopkins. I know that they're both Arizona players, and I know that they probably both can't be the most improved fantasy player next year. But I think that Arizona is just going to have one of the most electric offenses next season. We've seen it in the past with the Chiefs. We've seen it in the past with the Ravens. When teams have quarterbacks on a rookie contract, that's their Super Bowl window now. That just seems to be what the NFL is turning toward. Uh, and you really have a five-year window because you can get that fifth-year option in there if you take your guy in the first round, which is why the Ravens traded up to get Lamar uh, when they did. I just think that's how the NFL works now. I think those are the rules. So I think that we can expect the uh, Cardinals to try as hard as they possibly can to try to get their Super Bowl uh, in the shortest term possible. So look for Hopkins. Look for Drake to be breakout uh, most improved fantasy players next year. All right. All uh- right. I'm, I'll just to throw in some running backs in here. I'm going to mention two running backs that ha- I'm not saying necessarily will improve. I'm not too confident on them. Not going to take any risks in the draft for them, but our sleepers for the most improved uh, fantasy players. It's number one, Sony Michelle. Okay. Uh, so with Tom Brady gone, I don't know who the quarterback will be. It could be Hoyer. I probably think they're going to run it with Jared Stidham, but whichever way they go, even Cam Newton, Sony Michelle has had a little bit of an injury concern. If he can clean that up and somehow be healthy for a full year, he can get that sort of pounding workload. Those checkdowns that Brady used to throw to James White on third down, those are going to die off a bit. So I think James White's fantasy value goes down a little, even though he's still a very talented player. I'm just not taking him fourth round anymore. Okay. And with that, Sony Michelle's value goes up. And at the goal line, they might be pounding Sony Michelle a lot more. So I like Sony Michelle, especially if I get him uh, in the mid-rounds instead of early. Yeah. And the other fantasy player I want to mention um, is Todd Gurley, um, who is now on the Atlanta Falcons. Now, mm. the knee is gone mostly, but there's value there. With no yeah. Austin Hooper, it's just Julio and Calvin Ridley for the passing game. Todd Gurley poses value. And I, I just want to hear your take on sort of where Todd Gurley should be taken 
And how far of a risk is it to take him as early as the second round? Yeah, I will say that I was trying to avoid talking about the Falcons as someone who lives in Atlanta, given the fact that we're recording this on 328. <laughs> uh, not a great day for us Atlantans. Uh, real tough. But I'm enjoying will... my 328, by the way. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah, real, real quick, though. I think that Gurley has a huge upside next season. I don't think there's much floor. He's running behind an offensive line that consists entirely of first-round picks. That really hasn't happened in the NFL before. That reminds me a lot of what the Cowboys were fielding a couple of seasons ago. I think that the Falcons' offensive line, if they can stay healthy and gel effectively, could be one of the best in the NFL, and that could mean a lot of value for Gurley. But if Gurley gets hurt, then what are you going to do? So I, I agree with you. I think I have to buy Gurley at some point in the draft. I don't know where his value is, though. What do you think? Well, so the thing with me is, I got, I, depending on when your draft is, I'm going to hold out as long as possible. Hopefully the draft is somewhere late in the preseason, um, usually. And if his health is like, oh, wow, they're very excited about his health. He's going to start and get a lot of carries then maybe I buy into some of that preseason hype. I'm not a big fan of buying into preseason hype, but I did buy into it in the Mark Andrews case last year, and it paid off for me a little bit. Uh, so in that sense, I'll be keeping an eye on Todd Gurley's health, and if there's any risk of health, I'm staying away. Yeah, that's but, smart. But if he's completely healthy, a risk like that might win me a fantasy football league. Yeah. If, I have, if I take, let's say, Saquon in the first round, and I somehow land Gurley in the second round, and Gurley – is back to a first-round value, that might win me my fantasy football league. Right. So if he's healthy, I might take the risk. And who are the handcuffs here in Atlanta? I know that Brian Hill and Kenyon Barner are still around, uh, or at least they were last year behind uh, Freeman. Uh, do you think Atlanta takes another running back in the draft to supplement them, or do you uh, think they send them free agency? Uh, I don't. Um, I don't think they go the draft route. Um, so right now the – Death is Ito Smith, who is dealing oh, with Ito, some, yeah, I forgot about him. Yeah, uh, who's dealing with some injury concerns. Brian Hill and Quadri Allison. None of those are exciting names. I own Ito Smith for a bit. The most exciting was Ito Smith. That's how bad yeah. it was. Brian Hill, extreme disappointment. Uh, I was in a situation in one of my leagues where I needed to win to make it to the playoffs. I lost by three because I started Brian Hill, who scored one point. Yeah, that was um, tough. I remember that week. So I, I, I'm not going to believe in Brian Hill ever again. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not really sure what that handcuff situation will be like going into the season yeah. right now, though, it's not looking good. And if Todd Gurley, that's another reason, if Todd Gurley is healthy headed into the season, who are they going to feed the ball to? Mm. It's, it's going to be Todd Gurley. Yeah. I think, I don't know. Uh, I know I forgot about him, but now that you reminded me, I do kind of like, Edo Smith. I think that he flashed some potential when Freeman was around still in Atlanta. Uh, and as long as he can get back healthy, I think that he has a shot to, uh, put up like RB2, RB3 numbers should Gurley go down, given the fact that their offensive line is just so stacked. Okay. Yeah, that offensive line is going to be interesting. Uh, the last uh, sort of philosophical question, the most intriguing NFL team from a fantasy perspective. Okay. I'm going to cheat a bit. I want to talk about from a non-fantasy perspective first, because I think Denver, they're scary. I think that with all the trades they've been doing, I know that they lost Chris Harris, but they brought in Bouye. Uh, I think they got um, uh, Jarrell Casey. I, I just think that their defense is just so loaded. I think that they also lost uh, Chubb early in last season, and they'll have him back for next season. So things are just looking so, so good in Denver. 
that I have to say that they're the most intriguing team from any perspective. I think as long as Drew Locke can play well, I think that they're going to be a playoff team. From a Phoenix perspective, I would go with Pittsburgh. I think that we really are discounting a lot of Pittsburgh's guys, given the fact that Big Ben is gone or was gone last season. AB is gone and Bell is gone. But I think that Pittsburgh has a chance to recoup some of that lost value next season because as long as Big Ben is back and as long as he hasn't regressed, there's no reason to believe that they can't put up the same numbers that they put up in 2018. I think that Juju Smith-Schuster could have a career revival. I think that Deontay Johnson obviously is going to have a big season next year. And I think James Washington can also be fantasy viable in Pittsburgh. I think it's going to be interesting to see how their backfield situation plays out because I don't really know uh, how much space they have for James Conner if they emphasize the passing game a bit more. But I think Pittsburgh has to be the most intriguing team from a fantasy perspective just because of how late in drafts you can get all of their key guys. Yeah, I completely agree with all these takes. I was actually going to save Denver as my most intriguing fantasy perspective team. Uh, I'm, I'm, I have Melvin Gordon as a bust this year. Uh, his, his value is just, not, is just not good enough. With Philip Lindsay still in the backfield, there's, ta- there's too much talent. Just like with Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler, Melvin Gordon was a disappointment last year. I know he held out, so that doesn't count. But even when he was playing, he was a little bit of a disappointment. Obviously, the talent exists. From a fantasy perspective, I'm not buying in very quickly to either member, either individual member of that backfield. So Denver is intriguing gotcha. for me. I'm also one of the biggest Drew Locke fans in the world. And I, have, <laughs> and I think we agree that Denver will be a playoff team this year. So if, if you need a backup QB in a deeper league, take Drew Locke. He could surprise you. Yeah. Uh, and now we're going to get into what is truly a lightning round because this is going to be quick. So we're going to go through each position and name a few guys at each position. And we both are going to say boom or bust very quickly. Um, no long explanations. Uh, we're just going to kind of say it and stick with it. we got to pick one. Given their fantasy value at the QB position, Tom Brady. Bust. Uh, I have bust as well. Now on the Indianapolis Colts, Phillip Rivers. 100% bust. Completely agree. Baker Mayfield. Boom. I think you got to take the upside. Uh, I got bust on this one. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Ooh, that's tough. I'm going to go with Boom just because he has the skills to succeed without a good receiver around. Completely agree. Uh, I have Boom as well, but I'm a Clemson fan, so it doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, bust, but like I don't think anyone's expecting anything from him. So I, I just would avoid him. Uh, I got Boom on this one. Uh, really? He, he, has, he has Christian McCaffrey. He has three talented receivers. I, like we discussed, I don't necessarily think each of those receivers are amazing for fantasy, but for Teddy Bridgewater, I think he's got a great offense. So I like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I mean, the counter-argument is Kyle Allen had a great offense too. Fair enough. Uh, running backs, James White and Sony Michelle individually. Uh, James White bust, Sony Michelle, eh. I'll say bust, but I think he'll just produce similarly to what he did last year. I wouldn't be surprised if New England added another running back at some point in the offseason. I wouldn't be surprised with that as well. Like I said earlier, I'm big on Sony Michelle this year if he's healthy, so I have boom on him, but bust on the rest of the backfield. Uh, we just discussed Todd Gurley. I, you know I have him as a boom. How about you? Yeah, boom. Uh, Melvin Gordon individually, Phil Lindsay individually. Uh, I'm going to go with boom for Melvin Gordon. I'm going to disagree with you. I think that he has a shot. There's a reason why Denver's paying him the money they're paying him. I think they're going to give him a chance and they're going to see what he can do. It's a question of if he can live up to that. I think that he flashed some of the skills that he's shown before, uh, like before uh, the injuries, kind of things derailed his career. I think that Gordon, or the holdout rather, um, 
I think that Gordon can resurrect uh, his career and definitely break out and have a good boom season for Denver. Lindsay, bust. All right. Uh, I'll, agree, I'll agree with uh, Lindsay bust. I got bust on both. At wide receiver, we haven't even mentioned Stefan Diggs going to the Bills yet. Ooh. What does this mean for Adam Thielen, boom or bust? Boom, by far. I, I have Adam Thielen as one of the best wide receivers in the league. Some of us disagree on whether he's elite or not. I completely agree. Uh, it's a boom. The issue, though, Matthew Berry, I know you're watching this. You said boom, <laughs> so I'm going to be careful. DJ Chark. Oh, boy. Uh, boom, I guess. I, I, I don't really think a lot about the Jags, but I guess as long as the quarterback position remains the same, or if they bring in Winston, then that's an even bigger reason why Chark could be a boom. Uh, I'm going bust on this one just because he will probably – people will be jumping on in middle rounds, and I'm not – like or early middle rounds, and I'm not doing that. I'm staying away from any uh, Jacksonville wide receivers. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, the uh, guy I traded up for last year. Yeah, boom. I think that if Big Ben comes back, there's no reason to believe that Smith-Schuster can't recoup some of the value that he had in the past. And finally, at the tight end position, the biggest breakout on your Ravens, Mark Andrews. Bust. Uh, I am really skeptical of my own team when it comes to fantasy football. I traded away Lamar Jackson last season after like five weeks. I was like, he can't keep doing this. So I'm probably not the correct person to talk to about it, but I just think that Andrews was a bit too touchdown dependent last year. Yeah. I, this one's a tricky one for me. I'm going to cheat by saying, uh, be reasonable. Um, Cause I'm not taking Mark Andrews like third round as like a, as like a, he's definitely my tight end one the entire season. Uh, but he showed, the uh, the talent last year that he's clearly the best tight end on his team and Lamar Jackson loves tight ends. Uh, yeah. Number one target share in percentage of pass catching uh, of tight ends in the entire league. So Mark Andrews still can be your primary tight end. I just wouldn't necessarily jump on him. I'd rather wait for a weaker tight end. That's fair. Yeah. Austin Hooper, you know, I have him as a bust. Uh yeah, I think that he's going to – well, actually, I'm going to go with Boom here because I think that people the – con, the conventional wisdom is that Austin Hooper is not going to do well in the Browns. People don't believe in the Browns. Sure, he had a good season last year, but it wasn't really a season that is going to put him in the, like, tight end three conversation. He's not up there with Kelsey Kittle uh, and Ertz. So I think he can probably Boom at his current ADP. And finally, he just re-signed with the Chargers, Hunter Henry. Oh, God. Uh Bust. I, I just don't want to buy Chargers next season. I just don't want to. I, I like Eckler. I think that he'll be good. I think that he has a solid floor, but I really don't want to do too much with the Chargers offense next season. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm just not sure what that offense is going to look like. Isaiah, any final words? Not really. Thank you for having me on, Ahan. This was a lot of fun. No problem. Do you want to plug your uh, social media? Oh, for sure. Yeah. If you want to give me a follow, my Twitter is IS underscore Sirwa. That's S-I-R-O-I-S. I know it's a mouthful. I'm French Canadian. It's tough. But uh, shoot me a follow there. That's really the only place I post. Uh, and then I upload my articles from Fantasy Pros and from Betting Pros on there. And that's where you can read my stuff. Thanks, Isaiah. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening in our first fantasy football episode. Uh, next episode, we will most likely have an interview. Uh, it's going to be a banger, so you want to keep watching. Follow Isaiah on social media. It'll also be in the link. Uh, the link will be in the description. And we will see you next episode.